This is Whitley Strieber, and this is Dreamland. You've reached the edge of the world. Well, today on this Dreamland special, we're talking to William Gallison about the mummies that are in Peru. The uh, He has been working with Thierry Jamin, uh, a French adventurer and explorer who is living in Peru and who first brought the mummies to the attention of the world. And th this situation that has occurred in Mexico in the past few days needs a little bit more depth to it uh, because there is a difference between what is going on in Peru and what, what exists in Peru and what uh, was talked about in Mexico, a significant difference. And it's an important one. You know, I think the way to begin is to talk a little bit about what was shown in Mexico. And there's some problems with this material. Uh, you sent me a paper uh, could, uh, that, that discusses some of the problems. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, this is very interesting. And, and I'm learning new things every day, Whitley, about this stuff. And my estimation of the situation is evolving uh, on an hourly basis. Um, I've been involved with the situation since pretty much Terry uh, uh, divulged the existence of these things in 2016. I went down with Bob Salas in 2018, We went and uh, we saw the mummies at that point. At this point, those mummies are being kept at the Ica University in uh, Nazca, near Nazca, Peru, in, in Ica, actually. So th that's entirely legal and above board, is what you're saying. All that stuff is has been resolved with the Peruvian government through uh, the efforts of Terry, really, the very... Uh, how how did mummies end up in Mexico? I this say, say, folks, wait a minute. It's illegal to export these. It is absolutely illegal. And as far as I know, these mummies were represented by Jaime as being among the mummies found in Peru. Um, and that does raise an interesting question of how could Jaime have those mummies, which are patrimony of Peru, in Mexico when they are, in fact, illegal to remove from Peru. So and the question on television in front of the whole Mexican Congress, that <laughs> seems, I mean, it, it almost makes me think they aren't really from Peru. Well, it's, I mean, it wouldn't be the Mexican authorities that would be concerned with them. It would be the Peruvian authorities. And I don't think they're going to have Jaime Massan extradited for having them, but he might no. be in trouble if he went to Peru, I suppose, if in fact those were original mummies of the type that Terry was uh, offered uh, and shown by the, the tomb robber Mario, the, the Hakero Mario, who's the one who ostensibly was uh, discovered these things. Now, Mario gave some to Terry. Uh, and as far as I know, those are the only ones extant. But uh, according to Jaime, he has at least two, which he has now demonstrated to the Mexican Congress. So that is a bit of a mystery. Are these reproductions? Are they real? They look real to me, uh, but I that's just an eyeball. I have been trying, and you have been trying, to get some serious scientific interest in this 
And there has been some scientific work done on these mummies. And, and it's perfectly good work. There's nothing wrong with it. But we, we just need, we need more. But let's talk now about what has been done so far. And can you line up for us? There's been carbon dating. There has been um, some DNA analysis. T tell us what's been done. That's right. I should, I should mention that, uh, in case people are confused, it is illegal to take the mummies out of Peru, but apparently the Peruvian government does not object to taking a sample of tissue to be analyzed in Sri Lanka or Canada or Puerto Rico or any of the other uh, places where they either DNA testing has been done or carbon-14 dating. And I will say that the carbon-14 dating to me is very conclusive because it was uh, these, as your, as your listeners probably know, there are two types of mummy. Right. Let, let's explain that because that's yeah. not really unfair. There are, there, and when I say mummy, we're just using that as a, as a descriptor. Um, whether they're real mummies or what the definition of a mummy is, is another question. But there are two kinds of uh, creatures, if you will, or bodies that we're looking at. One of them, uh, one type, are what we call the, they call them the small grays. And I hate to use the word gray. So let's just call them the small bodies. And they are about two and a half feet tall. Uh, there are many of, of them. I've seen a dozen different ones. Uh, apparently, there, I have heard that there's at least 25 or 30 of these, and then even more uh, loose skulls, uh, meaning the skulls of these creatures without the, the entire body. Uh, these beings, as I said, are about two and a half feet tall. They resemble kind of the aliens that we think of uh, being gray insofar as they have proportionately large heads. They ha they all have three fingers and three toes, which is why as a group, they're, called, they're all called the tridactyl mummies. Tridactyl meaning three uh, digits on each appendage. Um, that is the first category. And there, as I said, there are numerous examples of those. Uh, and then there is one example, although there are, there's good indication that there are more examples, but there's at least one which is known, which is called Maria. Maria uh, is probably the most famous of these mummies, and she, they say she, uh, could be a male or a female. This is a, a body that was found according to Mario, in the same location as the small bodies, but this one would be about five foot seven if standing up. In fact, this body is in a kind of uh, fetal position, if you will, in the, I, I should say the burial position that was typical of the Incan mummies or uh, the, the mummies of South America. Um, it actually predates the Incans because this one has been dated to 2000 uh, uh, years old, or about actually about 1800 years ago, before the Incan civilization existed. It was what was called the Nazca culture. And it was actually around the time that the mysterious Nazca lines were produced, however they were produced. So that is and interesting. The, the Nazca lines look like something that's meant to be seen from above. 
Well, there's many, many mysteries regarding the Nazca lines, how they were done, why they were done, and by whom were they done, particularly. So <laughs> that mystery's just been deepened a good bit, hasn't it? Yes, indeed. And so this this larger mummy, which we'll call Maria, that's what she's been named. Uh, this is what I understand. I'm not a person who has done measurements and testing myself, but I've been very intimately involved with the people who have done them. My understanding, she is about human size, five foot seven, if you will, if she were standing up. Of course, she's desiccated and not cannot be stretched out to her full length, but it can be determined that she would be about five seven. Interesting thing, if you look at her head, she is certainly not a typical looking person. The head is very well preserved. And if you saw this person walking down the street, whether it's a man or a woman, you would re that would be a remarkable looking person. She has a very large jaw. She has a tiny nose, which is not typical of what we imagine Indians looking like in South America. And she has an extended cranium, uh, not as big as what they call the Paracas mummies or the some of the uh, Egyptian uh, depictions of extended cranium, crania, but definitely my understanding from the measure from the measurements that have been made, and I trust them, is that her cranial capacity, which corresponds to the size of the brain, is 20% larger than a typical human brain. Now, Human brains come in different sizes, but I believe this 20% is larger than the media medium, uh, media of, uh, of human brains. And if you think about it, I don't know, but 20% larger brain is a very stunning uh, capacity. Um, I don't know how much lar larger our brains are than, let's say, a great ape, but it may be within that range. So there could be a different in cognition between this creature and us. I'm just speculating. That seems to be the fact, though, that if you that the cranial capacity, meaning the brain case of this of this Maria, is larger than a human. The eye sockets also were measured to be about 20% larger than a human. Again, these are the figures that I have heard from scientists whose opinions and research I have no reason to doubt. So now, let me add now the, the, but the ahead. main difference between Maria and you and me is that she has three fingers on her each hand and three toes on each foot. And not only that, the fingers that she does have have an extra digit where we have four phalanges, one being in the hand and then three being visible in our fingers. She has an extra one. That's very unusual. It's never been seen in any human uh, uh, genetic defect, for example, or genetic anomaly. The question is that everybody wants to know is, are, are these variations natural? The skull certainly could not be uh, manipulated. I want to just say uh, that people will say, oh, yes, but people have their skulls bound in many cultures. Binding of the skull does not affect the cranial capacity of the skull. It simply shapes the skull differently so that it starts, the forehead is more sloped and the, and the cranium goes back further. These, that's different from this case, in my understanding, 
where the cranial capacity is actually larger. So it doesn't seem like a result of binding. There's also, it doesn't look like it's been bound. There are no flat areas, for example, which is very often a result of that kind of binding. So that said, the next question is, are the three fingers with the extra joint natural or have they been fabricated in some way? Did someone get into this mummy and add an extra joint? And that is something that we have to explore. We have to definitively uh, um, determine whether that is a natural uh, configuration uh, or whether, as some people say, uh, a joint was added to the to the fingers and two fingers, the being the thumb and the pinky, were removed, leaving three out of the normal five. I find it difficult to imagine how that could be done without obvious manipulation. And uh, but but there are those that question that. Well, the reason they question it is that this would this is just so incredibly unusual and unexpected. And they're, you know, they're perhaps the questioning is in the wrong direction to some extent. Now, I would like to sort of add a couple of things. First, uh, there was a piece published on Reddit that goes into the biology of the ones that the U.S. government has possession of, the bodies. And it mentions, I, I don't honestly know whether that Reddit is a, is is accurate or not, from things I've heard over the years, it's quite accurate. But I don't have any other documentation. I've that. seen that. It was purportedly from from a whistleblower. Yeah. Right. Right. And uh, but it mentions, and this is very important, that the brains have four lobes. We have three lobes in our brain. The uh, and this fourth lobe would increase the size of the cranium by about 20%. And it's terribly important because it's, it, 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 and I'm, I think that in order to, uh, this is now a little bit off our subject, and I'll go right back to our subject in just a moment. To understand all of this, we're going to have to understand how, what that fourth lobe does, if we're going to understand our relationship with these entities. Now, the other thing is this, and this is a personal observation. Remember, I had lots of personal observation of such an individual, and, and that was the communion lady. She had, her fingers were like this, and but they were snake-like. They were, they, she could manipulate them. They almost looked like snakes. And once when uh, there was a child at the cabin, that she did not like because he had he had disfigured himself by sticking his tongue in a light bulb socket when he was four years old. Now he was 11 or 12. And she didn't want our boy to be anywhere near him. And she spent the night, she used to spend time in the cabin. And I haven't talked about that much because it's impossible to, people would just disbelieve it. And, but there, it's a little less like that now so i'm talking a little bit more when you looked at her first of all it was like looking at a really strange looking person with great mm -hmm. big eyes right and, and um 
But anyway, this boy was there and they were sleeping in the boy's room and she kept coming up to my bedside and putting things in my head of our son being being captured in a by a by a bad cab driver being abducted while he was going to the boy's house and all this all these things and she would make what looked like smoke pour out of her mouth and mm. she was communicating that she did not think this boy was the right choice as a friend okay. when she wasn't with us as it turned out she was going to the boy's room opening the door a crack and sticking three of those long sneaky fingers in and tapping the door with her fingernails and scraping up and down the little boy the guest was sleeping right across from the door our son was on the other side of the room so he didn't see this the boy was the next morning he was terrified okay, he man. said that this thing had been doing this to him all night he hadn't gotten any sleep and then he said mr streber would you please take me home i don't and i the did and <laughs> that ended the friendship that the boys never saw each other again well so, I would say so let, let me now let, let's go back to where we were right what i'm saying here is two things one that are corroborated one is there is probably an explanation for the larger head and two is i have witnessed myself a living person who looked like that very much like your your like maria Okay, I, I I don't know what you saw, so I I I, I imagine that's exactly what you, I, I trust you on that. I, I will say that, that I mean it's it's interesting when you say that she had three fingers and they were snake like. I think it's hard for us to imagine what it looks like to have an extra joint on a hand. So possibly that that would certainly make it look far more flexible and snake like than than a three or four or a three-digit finger, to have a fourth digit on the finger would certainly make an impression. I think it it could look snake-like. Uh, so there, there could be a correlation there. Again, we don't know if Maria is related to other species of visitors or whatever, but 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 given that, um, but that's a very interesting correlation and and quite astonishing that your creature had three fingers as well. As far as the well, it's three lobes of the I brain, think it was three. Yeah, I think the um, the I'm pretty sure that the shape of the brain uh, with the CAT scans, if it had something as remarkable as a fourth lobe, I think that would have been evident. My feeling is that this was just a larger human-like brain. Uh, okay. But again, I'm no expert, but so, but that's an interesting thing to explore. But if I can get back to the the uh, the, the presentation in Mexico, which is kind of our focus, right? Um, they did not discuss the Maria type. I just throwing that in there to to make sure people understand that there are two species that we're discussing here. Jaime Masson did not present anything to do with the Maria type, very possibly because he doesn't have one of those. He he apparently has two of the smaller types, and they look very much like the ones I saw. However, I would say that when I saw the photographs of the one in Mexico, they have much more of what looks like a nose than I have ever seen in the mummies that I have seen in photographs and also seen very up close and spent a lot of time with. 
They do not have what you would call a nose. And from the photos I saw uh, from the Mexico presentation, they seem to have more of a nose. So are they a different lot? Are they somebody's idea of a fake? I mean, are, are, are they some artist's uh, elaboration? Well, it occurs to me that, what, that they, they, maybe they were outside of Peru because they have been made in Mexico that, from that's pictures. A that's a possibility. Uh, that would be awfully gutsy of uh, Jaime Masson, but he's not known uh, for shyness, I think. Um, and uh, But anyway, that aside, that's all speculation. I do want to mention something very important, which has come to my attention in the last day, amazingly enough. There was an article in the New York Times uh, yesterday or the day before uh, regarding the presentation of these mummies in Mexico City. And it wasn't as dismissive as one might think. The, 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 the headline was alien mummies from outer space or something like that, which is unnecessarily uh, dismissive, I think. But the body of it talked about the presentation and mentioned at the bo bottom of the article that these mummies, the ones found in Peru, had been established, it had been established that their skulls were modif were made from modified llama skulls, and we should not. Uh, we should take that very seriously. Um, I think so too. I saw that. Yeah, and I, I saw the paper. I've spent. Also. I've spined, you know, We both have looked at the paper now. That paper, by the way, is co-authored by Jose de la Cruz. Jose de la Cruz was one of the first people who started analyzing the mummies with Thierry Jamin. Back in 2016, he did a lot of good work. Um, and he was one of three. Uh, now, he does not speak English, and the paper was in English, so I don't know what his contribution was or whether it was written in Spanish. It, it was, in fact, published in a Greek um, uh, scientific journal, and perhaps you can put a link to that on the on your... Yes, I will, folks. There will be a it's link to that It's very important that people look at that, because that is the most... Uh, inclusive scientific uh, treatment of this case that I have seen so far. It actually takes the, a llama skull and compares it bone by bone, square centimeter by square centimeter to, or I should say feature by feature, to the mummy skull. In, in other words, the small mummies are not, not real. Well, according to this paper, and I w must say, and I've been an advocate of these, the reality of these things for years uh, because of the limited information that I've had and my enthusiasm for this subject, um, but I'm not afraid to go where the, where the evidence brings me. And uh, I was quite convinced by this paper. Uh, as a non-scientist, it seems like a sober a uh, responsible and accurate scientific paper that concludes, and this is, there's some subtlety here, that these uh, alien skulls, it's, or that these so-called small alien skulls, they are not like they took the head of a llama and put it on a body. Uh, in fact, the, it's the brain case of a llama skull uh, which has been 
turned around, the jaw and many other sections of the actual skull have been removed from the skull. This was very carefully done. Um, and the back of the llama skull is in fact what we see as the face of the mummy skull, uh, which was somebody's brilliant idea uh, that the back of a llama skull would resemble a hominid face, but in fact, it does. Uh, however, I, I don't want to, even the article which concludes this is probably a llama skull which has been manipulated in certain ways, uh, even that says there are some notable differences between the, the mummies, the skull of the mummies and the ancient llama skulls that they had to used as reference. Um, but these are fairly subtle differences. Uh, and they say that it could be differences uh, between individuals. In other words, the kind of things that make so my skull, would make my skull look different from your skull. Uh, but they, they're quite convinced that in fact, what serves as the skull on these small mummies is derived from a llama skull. Now, we, the first inclination is to say, okay, that solves it, end of conversation. That's the end of the story. However, it gets more complicated than that. I'll say it does. Go yeah. on. For one thing, there is a bone in which serves as a kind of jaw on these small skulls, which is set into what is an aperture in what would be the back of the llama skull, if you follow me. And this jaw is kind of hinged, and they say they don't know what kind of animal this from. And if, in fact, they can find with higher quality scans that there's an actual organic link between this jaw and the skull, then perhaps this is some bizarre coincidence or <laughs> paranormal uh, yeah, but situation. Where, any of this but but certainly, yeah, certainly to me, the idea that there could be some kind of convergent evolution that would form two complex uh bone structures, one being a llama skull and the other being an an, inver, uh, an alien skull. And it seems completely beyond the pale. And, and that's what these scientists have discovered. They want higher resolution scans. Now, in fact, and I can't go into it, but we did some higher resolution scans when I was in Peru in my last trip, which was not long ago very high resolution where not, not of these particular mummies not of that particular mummy but of one that is definitely in the same family and that's as far as i'm going to talk about okay but but hopefully it'll be studied oh I, well it's available i paid for that ct scan oh, yeah <laughs> so as far as anybody is concerned i can give that those ct scans and i'm talking about this gigantic enormous file which can be looked at by anybody who cares to look at it and I will give it to them with no, no conditions whatsoever. Uh, hopefully they will analyze it in an honest manner. Uh, 
and you know without prejudice and they can see perhaps at that point what the relation is between this flap that serves as a jaw and are they organically uh, mated or is there is it taken from god only knows what other animal and stuck in that place yeah whatever you want to say about these things and even if they are entirely fabricated from other organic material including a llama skull somebody put a tremendous amount of thought and cleverness into making these these things and the the researchers in this paper say they find it hard to imagine how artisans from a thousand years ago could have constructed these things now, now this folks we, this is something that's kind of crept up on my audience we know that these things even though they are apparently at, at the moment seem to be fabrications are also a thousand years old the material in them is a thousand years old so far Who, whoever did this if they did it recently they were careful to find material that old right they were not using llama skulls that they found in a llama cemetery now did they happen upon an ancient graveyard where mummified llama bones were kept? I guess that's possible. According to this scientific paper, and these people spent a lot of time, and I know Jose de la Cruz has spent countless hours with these mummies. He sees no indication that these are modern frauds. Now, the, the word fraud... The word fraud indicates an intent to deceive. Yes. If these are ritualistic dolls, if you will, or ritualistic figures, uh, which represent the relation of llamas and humans, God only knows from a thousand years old, this opens up very rich archaeological and anthropological ground. And so far, nobody has established, as far as I know, certainly nobody's published, that any indication has been given that these are modern frauds. Now, I just want to expand on that. These are not just skulls. There are more skulls than bodies, but there are lots of bodies. And those bodies include arm bones, leg bones, finger bones, uh, pelvis, uh, ribs, all the... Uh, analogous bones to a human body, basically, except that the, the the forearms and the lower limbs of the of the legs have one bone instead of two. But where are those bones from? The conjecture, my conjecture is, and uh, and some other people who doubt the that these are alien bodies say that they must be human bones because they don't seem to correspond with any other animal. Uh, there. Uh, and since these things are two, two feet tall, they must be infant bones. These are not, I mean, a human pelvis on one of these two-foot things would be bizarre looking. We, uh, we would be able to determine all of this. If we, we would be it. able to determine. It's, you know, with the, with the cats, with the CT scans, even at the low resolution, you can isolate every bone in, in the body and view it and turn it, 3D it. This is one of the things that confused me and and kind of kept me with the impression that these were authentic, authentically anomalous beings, 
was that I thought, well, certainly somebody must have just done that and taken somebody who knows the human anatomy and the anatomy of a of an infant or even a and 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 said, okay, this is the hips. These are the this is the pelvic girdle of or the ribs uh, or the sternum or the arms of a infant human being. As far as I know, nobody has established that yet. And I don't know why, Whitney, but but here's the good news. And this is something that I'm telling you now for the first time. I got a call after we spoke yesterday from a fellow. I won't mention his name, but he he is a TV producer. And he's worked with a lot of people that you and I know uh, in this field. Uh, he's not associated with Gaia. He's not associated with Mafsound. Uh, he's associated with people that we respect. And he called me because he heard me. He happened to see me write a uh, a message to Jimmy uh, Church on on a, on a, you know, a, a podcast. And uh, he called me and he knew knew that I was friendly with Jerry. And, and he said that he thinks he can find a sponsor, a patron to pay for tests, which will establish once and for all, what are these things made of and when were they made? Um, the small mummies. The small mummies. That's all we're discussing right now. Right. Uh, this will take some money, but not enormous money. No. We're talking, you know, $100,000 might be able to settle every question we have. What, what are those questions? First of all, rather than comparing the morphology of a llama skull and a human skull, simply take a DNA from the skull of one of these humanoid small beings and do DNA testing on it. That's the, that's, the, that, that's, yeah. the where, that's definitely where to go because this is so, it's, you know, it's, I, I've been following you guys and your, journey through this labyrinth of mirrors for a long time and certainly long enough to know that in this particular labyrinth there's no such thing as a door that leads out it just leads deeper into the labyrinth and but that's the way to go to just you know to cut the gordian knot by going to the go. dna absolutely now dna tests have been done and again, that was part of the reason that I held on to my conviction that these were authentic. Now, were these DNA tests done on the little ones or on a large? They were done on both. Ah. And according to the DNA results that carry the imprimatur, if that's the word, of the labs where they were done, and they are listed on the the on this website, which Cherry has put up called the Alien Project. I should add that Cherry Jamin is as honest a person I, as I know. And he is not in any way trying to trick anybody with these things. Yeah. So anybody thinks that he's a, a hoaxer or trying to make money, he's made not a penny from this. And he's put no. he's precious dead. hours and precious money of his own. You and, have too. And I have too. Yes, I have. Yeah. Others um, have as well. There's other people who put some money into it. But the the key is that the money you guys have put into it has been well spent because it's it's produced DNA testing and all kinds of things. Um, now, now, when I see when I see someone like um, Jaime uh, presenting these things, 
and they look a little suspect and how did he get them out of Peru and blah, blah, blah. I begin to question whether there's an unbroken line of information from the lab to Cherry, for example. I mean, I would think that it would be impossible for anybody to, to get a result from a lab, publish that result, and, and if it was not what the lab meant to say or what the lab intended the result to be, that that would be accepted by the lab. But on the other hand, maybe the lab hasn't been paying attention. I don't know personally what the chain of custody is. And, and it's not only DNA uh, data, it's the interpretation of the DNA data. I know there are honest people who have spent time analyzing that data, but I think this has to be done in-house, if you will. That is with people that we trust and we know from the beginning of the process. Now, if this producer finds uh, a patron and he believes he has one in mind, what they would do is that they would go to ICA or wherever these mummies are currently being held. They would get samples, film that uh, process, that process of getting the DNA so that nobody can deny that this is a valid, you know, because it's not simple. Where do you get the DNA? How do you get it? Do you get it from the skull? Do you get it from the hip? Hey, if there may, if the hip is from a different animal than the skull, then you're gonna then you need make to get it from both. Yeah, to get it from as many places. You have, to have a variety yeah. of samples. Yeah, it seems to me that the hips and the, the 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 pelvis and the skull would be the first two that I would that I would do because they are things that can't you know that can be reasonably attributed to another species like. If the pelvis is human, okay, there we are. If the if the skull is llama, but it reminds me of this this joke, you know, where you have the two horses and and they're they're trying to tell which is which, and they're measuring the tail and they're looking at the teeth, and then someone somebody says, ah, well, the white one has a longer tail than the black one, you know, like they, <laughs> in other words, they, they didn't recognize that one is white and one is black. If you're trying to understand this by you know by spending lots of time detailing the morphology of one skull versus the other and you can just break the knot as you said cut the knot by going to dna go to dna the only reason i can imagine why that hasn't been done is because maybe nobody has the money to do it or maybe somebody with the money and I, i'm just saying like a gaia or feels that cutting the knot would might interfere with the enterprise of promoting these as being genuine. Does that make sense? Exactly. That that's the problem. That there there is a there is a financial motive here, not in your end of it, but in the other end of it. Obviously, they're making a big publicity thing out of it, and um, I'm sure they're making money. Of course, and that's why I should say that is why Terry. If you don't want me saying this on your show, that's why he cut ties with Gaia and Jaime. He said these people are not interested in truth per se. Maybe incidentally they are, but they, they are corporations and they're trying to make some money. And that's not where we want to go with this. We do not well, need yeah. motivation. So now at this point, whatever they're doing is one thing. And they're not doing much because they don't have an interest in finding out that these things are, are fakes. Although I have to tell you, 
I would be, I would not be surprised if there's something about the smaller ones that is extremely strange because they may be fake and real at the same time. And here's what I mean. Uh, when, uh, and I'm not the only close encounter witness who has seen this. I have seen a drawer filled with these little bodies that became animated and came out of it like they were alive. And they were somehow, I know it's wild. I mean, you don't, he, folks, uh, William doesn't follow the abduction thing. So he doesn't know a lot of what we all know. But I, a lot of my viewers and listeners are thinking about this right now. What if these are constructions that could be used and somehow animated? In I have words? thought about that. It's you very, very strange. It's a very strange thing. You know what? I think a little bit about the, the legends of the Gollum, which you might be familiar with. Of course, yes. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. Well, I, I'm Jewish, but I'm not very observant, which is why I'm speaking to you on this high holy day. But um, in Jewish uh, tradition, there are stories of uh, rabbis who were also deeply involved with Kabbalah and magic and things that are not entirely unfamiliar to you and who constructed beings out of material. I don't know exactly what they used. I think mud and organic material. And they animated these things with a by putting symbols on them, names of God or something like this. And generally that did not end well. <laughs> but these endeavors are, are very much a part of Jewish lore. And I think there are... Uh, analogies in other cultures it's very wacky and it's not the first thing that anybody would jump to as an explanation for these things but it did cross my mind that i mean there are other aspects to this story whitley other people i've spoken to and things that i've heard which reinforce the idea that if these are not actual beings there are actual beings that look very much like these like, ones like that because and i spoke there were little little people there were little grays and there were little blue men too that didn't look anything like the mummies right. involved in my experience and the little grays could they i can see where you could reconstruct one on one of those skeletons one of those yeah. mummies okay this, i i think you would you would acknowledge that this is pretty far-fetched thinking but I think we both uh, <laughs> we both seen enough stuff in our lives to to not rule anything entirely out. But getting back to more more scientific view, I think the first thing to do before any of that speculation is uh, is to cut to the chase. And we need people who are not trying to prolong this mystery for profit. Right. We need we need people who want to get to it, and that's where. I am really trying. I mean, Cherry is, he would love to find out what this is all about, but he, this is not the center of his world. He is doing very important archaeological and anthropological research uh, in the Amazon. And this is, he can't put his money to this. He doesn't have $10,000, $20,000 to get DNA tests. He would like to. And he is looking for somebody. I'm hoping that I, in my small contribution, can maybe link up Cherry with some patron who will say, $20,000, sure. 
If that will solve this issue or some aspect of this issue once and for all, here it is. And I think we're on the verge of that. And that's what I'm excited about. And all this has happened in the <laughs> in the last few days. And well, um, it's a remarkable time. And it has been fascinating to talk to you about it. I have one last question. And I am I right about thinking that there was one of these mummies that had had an it was female and it had a uterus with eggs in it? Well, uterus or not, that's one of yeah. Okay, if I could uh, address this, um, Whitley, there are many very strange things about these mummies which don't comport with the notion of some workshop in modern Peru where people are sticking these th things together. First of all, if you think about it, if these are made from modified ancient llama skulls and they have to be ancient for certain bones to have deteriorated enough for them to be able to be used in this manner. If you used a modern llama skull, for example, there is a ridge on the top of the skull that ridge is not there, and it hasn't been cut off. It has degraded, apparently. That's the only explanation that these scientists could give as to why these don't have that ridge. Boy, saying, you, you, we got to get DNA testing. That, yeah, exactly. That is but, 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 another but, but, weird thing. Boy, go ahead. Yeah. Um, uh, I lost my, my thought for a second. You're um, talking about the ridges. And, and the... Right, right. Okay, but, but let us say that the rest of the bones are from human infants. That would entail the discovery by some people with malintent or the intent to de deceive to make money, uh, which is pretty universal. Uh, I mean, the, the intent to make money is universal. The intent to deceive, not so much. But if they would have had to discover a plethora a, a mine of mummified human infants to get all those bones to make at least 25 bodies. You follow me? Yeah. And, and the talking is, about, and then they would have had to take these bodies, hack them apart and put them together in, to look like these mummies. In the uh, context of ordinary archeology span are mummies found often in the area of Nazca that are the same age as these? human mummies that we know are human. I know that I've heard that you, when you walk in the Nazca desert, you do come upon mummies quite frequently. Okay. So that's, that's not an, so that, that could be, yeah, they've the, made the, a lot of mummies. The, they made a lot of mummies. Most of them are not in pristine condition, right? Yeah, Most well, of them. Understandably if they're in the yeah. Nazca desert. But, but going through the desert and finding a finger bone here and a finger bone there, I don't know. There's that part of it. But again, that's not beyond the, the, the capability of people. Let's get to the metallurgy uh, aspect of this. There are what I call accoutrements on some of these mummies, but not all of them. The, the, uh, on Joseph, the big ones. Huh? The little ones are the big ones. The little ones. I don't think there have been any metal parts found on the big ones. I'm quite. I'm quite sure that's negative. Okay. On the small ones, on some of these mummies, there are many metal plates, and that's as much as I want to say about that. 
but there are metal pieces that are adhered in some way to the bodies. Uh, most famously on Josephina, the one that has eggs in it, and I'll get to that in a moment, uh, there's a metal breastplate that looks something like a bikini top on the chest of, of Josephina, of the mummified, of this mummy. When they analyzed this, they found that that was made out of metal that corresponded to the alloys that were made in ancient Incan times, a thousand years ago. Now, osmium. Well, okay, I'm, I'm doing. I'm taking stages. First of all, there's that, and all of the metal that they found are made from these alloys, which were known which were used in ancient times. Now, there are two possibilities. If it is a modern fake, there, if it's a modern fake, there are two possibilities. They found a bunch of ancient uh, metal objects and they fashioned them to be these accoutrements. Now, they didn't have to have accoutrements on these on these mummies in order for the mummies to be extraordinary. Most of the mummies have no accoutrement. So why would they select a few of them to put these plates on and, and fashion them out of ancient metal, right? In the process, destroying artifacts that are made of metal and presumably have some uh, archeological and commercial value. The other possibility is that they forged this alloy, if that's, the, if that's the word to use, that they actually created this alloy using bronze and copper and silver. That's a tremendous amount of work to make something that's not necessary. Do you follow me? They're, yes. not, they're not selling the ones with metal plates for more money than they're selling the ones with no metal plates, right? In the, insofar as Mario is concerned, he's not... I happen to know that he was not offering these things. That, oh, this one has metal plates, so it's more money. But that would be a tremendous amount more effort for a faker or a hoaxer to do, if you follow my logic on that. Yeah. Now, it gets stranger than that. In at least one of these accoutrements, I believe it was the breastplate on Josephine. And we are talking about, among all these mummies, dozens of metal pieces that are put in various places on the bodies. Um, the, the breastplate, they did a spectro spectrographic analysis of the metal and they had a spike which indicated the presence of osmium. Now, I had never heard of osmium. My brother, who's a physicist, had never heard of osmium. It's just not a topic of conversation because it's extraordinarily rare. Uh, osmium is heavier than uranium, twice as heavy as lead. If you can imagine holding a fishing weight, if you had a piece of osmium that size and dimension, it would be twice as heavy as that. That's extraordinary. And it is far more valuable than platinum. So then you ask yourself, okay, you're a hoaxer in a workshop in Nazca. You're making fake mummies to sell to Russian, uh, pardon me, let me get rid of that uh, phone call, one second. Okay, sorry. Um, uh, if, uh, if you're a hoaxer, why in the world are you going to add the most precious 
metal in the world to a mummy that you're charging not a penny more for than the one that has no metal on it at all. You follow me? It yeah. doesn't make sense logically to me. And that no, gives no me sense. that sense gives me sense. the I mean, now maybe my facts are wrong, but the osmium is unambiguously in the spectrographic. Yeah, uh, you know, I analysis. know a lot about spectrography, and when you say a spike, it's osmium. There, there's no question about that. We we used to do many spectrographic analyses of the implants, and right, you know, when you see one of those big spikes, you know, you've got a, that's what it is being very positively detected. Right now, are there nodules? I'm not certain of this. Terry could answer this question. Are there nodules like little specks of osmium, you know, around? That's the I, that's the notion I got. Or is the osmium mixed in at an alloy level to the entire thing? My sense was that there were pockets, if you will, and they may be very, very tiny, mm -hmm. uh, but osmium nonetheless. And, you know, you can order bits of osmium over the Internet, but a tiny piece is going to cost you 400 bucks. I mean, like, the you know, the size of a pinhead is going to be about 100 bucks. So you have to wonder. For me, these are the aspects of this case that make it much more mysterious than simply there's a workshop and they're grabbing some infant bones and some llama bones and sticking them together and trying to sell them. The other thing, uh, Whitley, another thing that I thought about is let's say you are a hoaxer trying to make some money from this scam. Who are you going to sell these to? Well, somebody with money. A, they can't be taken out of Peru legally. And if you get caught trying to ship one of these things out of Peru, you go to jail and nobody wants to do that. And that really limits your ability to sell these things. The fact that the person who's buying it is now going to have a warrant in Peru and the person who actually sends it out of Peru, it, it, you know, in jail. it could be put in jail. It's they're no joke right. around. And then, um, yeah, they don't. No, when it comes to this kind of artifact, these governments, Peru and uh, and the others in South America, are they they fight all the time to avoid yeah. having their artifacts removed. And if you're going to remove an artifact like this, then you'd better not show it publicly, because if you do that, you're going to get into trouble. Which is what Jaime just did, which is a mystery to you and me, but there you well, are. And as I said, I have a feeling those aren't real. I think Maybe those so. might be copies made, I mean, made to look like the real deal. Which would be awfully ballsy of uh, Jaime to, to take uh, copies. Yeah, but, and... but, that, but that's, that, you know, he could, he could explain it by saying, well, we couldn't take the real ones out of Peru, so we created these, but they look exactly the same. And my he didn't story say is that. still true. He said these are the real deal. So anyway, but that's that's well, between that's true. He did. He said it's straight out. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll have to see. Maybe he got permission to take them out. Maybe he did. Um, but let's just uh, spool that out a little bit more. Let's say you're this hoaxer. You make these things. You find a client. Now, maybe you could sell the thing for $10,000, $15,000 in Peru, which I have good knowledge. That's what they're being sold for which isn't that much. But now you add the complication of having to avoid going to jail by secretly spiriting them out to Russia or Saudi Arabia or California or wherever some rich guy wants. You're going to add a hefty premium 
<laughs> right? I mean, if you buy cocaine in the middle of, uh, in the jungle of, uh, I'm not speaking from personal experience, but if you buy cocaine from a cocaine maker in the Amazon jungle, it's going to be one price. If you have to buy it on the streets of California, where it is highly illegal and has to have gone, then you're going to spend a hundred or a thousand times more for that, right? Oh. Because it's illegal and you are in danger of going to jail if you have it or if you're caught trying to transport it. So let's say these things are 10 times increased by their by their being snuck out of Peru to go into the collection of an oligarch in Moscow. So let's say that guy just spent a hundred thousand dollars on one of these on one of these things. Then this guy finds out they're fake. He finds out it's a llama skull. He sends Igor, his <laughs> his helper, the guy who snuck it out, back to Peru. And Igor breaks the legs of the person who sent it to him because it was represented. Do you see what I'm saying? I they understand. don't pay these people. It's so who real... in the world are they trying to sell these to? And yet, every single one we have comes from this mysterious grave robber, Mario, who won't tell anyone where he finds them. That's a big part of it. and yeah, That's a big problem. That's been the main stumbling block for me with, oh, yeah. with the uh with the people I've been trying the scientists I've been trying to attract because well, they, and I understand I've made the provenance argument with them but and that you know the the the, the provenance actually doesn't matter thanks but, thank but, you yeah I, but the problem is from their standpoint it does matter to the institutions that they are asso associated with and right. to the financing entities that would that give them grants. So, so that's why we're not going and there's no way to get around that. Well, there is, and it's called media and TV and entertainment. And some of these people, uh, let's say a legitimately wealthy person who is legitimately interested in this, a Bigelow, a Brandon Fugel, uh, any number of, 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 of billionaires who are interested in this, this is pocket change, chump change for them. Yeah. If they are willing, and this is where this TV producer comes in, who uh, I, I'm speaking to, uh, I'm going to call right after we speak, uh, or he's going to call me. Um, if he can interest somebody who could be anonymous or not to, you know, take one, take some material legally brought out of Peru from the skull deep within the bone of one of these beings, uh, llama skull or not, find out what it is. If that tests as something wildly exotic, which just happens to look like a llama skull, then you've got the uh, then you've got the discovery of of the ages. If it's a llama skull, okay, that part is settled. Now let's get to who made them and why and how and when, <laughs> right? Who, why, how, and when? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's such an incredible case. Uh, a completely brain-bending case and i think it's time you've you've given us an excellent overview of the actual situation and all of its ambiguity and all of its wonder and all of its promise and there's great promise here clearly but that promise has not been fulfilled yet and it has to be fulfilled quite differently from uh what what's been done so far publicly and you, you know, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
I just want to say, you know, you and I, you more than me, but I, I've been fascinated by this topic and looking for answers since I was a kid. Um, and I've had my experiences of my own, and it's a huge part of my life uh, looking into this. Until three years ago or 2017, and, and more so in the last few months with David Grush and, and all that, in the seven years that I've been following this case, or seven or eight years I've been following this case, I felt that this might be the key to unlocking this whole thing. If we have found alien bodies and they can be proved to be such, then the answer that we are not alone is available to anybody who wants to look. Um, that urgency now has dissipated a little bit because of because things are moving uh, yeah. in, in the disclosure world. And I'm glad of that. It takes pressure off of this case. And I just want to say, if it turns out that there is indeed a clever hoaxer who has a sense of humor or <laughs> a sense of irony and is making all these crazy things with osmium and just to, pardon me, screw with our brains, then God bless him. We'll find that out. Yeah. And we'll find out that these are modern fakes. And that's the end of the story. And well, it I'd doesn't like to meet him because he'd be a terror or yeah. her. It'd be a terribly interesting person for sure. Exactly right. And it doesn't torpedo the search for uh, the answers of, of whether, you know, and so yeah. I feel liberated in that sense. Like I can look at this thing with an open mind and saying they're real, they're fake, they're modern fakes, they're ancient fakes, they're anomalous fakes, there's something very bizarre behind them, they're golems, they're whatever they might be. And, I, and I'm happy to say that I can look at that with an objective mind with no preconceived uh, agenda. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I think uh, you've 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 struggled emotionally with this for a long time and come to a very good place in the sense that you're you're now really focused on let's get to the bottom of this and there's enough physical material in this case to say with some assurance that we can do that if we get the right people uh behind us so it seems to me we're on the verge of that and to tell you the truth even Thierry does not know about these new connections that I've made I'm going to inform him this evening and oh, they good. may pan out, they may not pan out, but they're promising. And I think if this doesn't come come about, there are there are similar opportunities to get to exactly. the bottom. Well, uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us on this Streamland special. And those of you who aren't subscribers, hey, you know, he wouldn't be here and I would not be here if it wasn't for our subscribers. So I would both urge those of you who do not subscribe on unknowncountry.com to the show and thank those of you who do, because you make this possible. Thank you very much for being with us, uh, uh, William. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Willie. Always a pleasure. See you soon. You've been listening to Dreamland. Be sure to tune in again next week. Dreamland is brought to you by UnknownCountry.com and its family of subscribers. Our theme music is The O of Pleasure by Ray Lynch. Unknown Country was founded by Ann Streber. Our news editor is Matthew Frizzell. Our coordinator is Amy Safrankova. Whitley Streber is your Dreamland host, and I'm your announcer, Ted Alexander.